0: Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello, I'm Geoff Lacey.
1: And I'm Claire Venice.
0: Still on our summer holes.
1: And join the arts in this week's
2: Peapod. Peapod.
1: If you love Petersfield.
0: I
2: love the square. The
1: hangers
0: The
2: open house swimming pool.
3: Lots of fun shops. Then the Peapod loves you.
2: It's just a nice town.
3: Everything Petersfield is in the Peapod. With Claire Venice and joff Lacey.
1: Thank you for joining us in the Peapod. Our fourth summer holiday episode brings a spot of culture to the Petersphere.
0: We met with the talented members of the Petersville Musical Festival, the Petersville Theatre Group and the Petersville Shakespeare Festival, all delighted to be back performing again this year.
1: Susie's Wild Walk was on a hot day in July in Twilight and we find just a few more bloopers to play for you. How many mistakes have we made this year?
0: (laughs) (laughs) And we end this week's Peapod with music from country singer Dixie Darling and her song, Care About Yourself.
2: The P stands for Petersfield. It's a lovely area, lovely people, lovely atmosphere. The Peapod.
0: We're thrilled to meet Paul Spicer, who is one of the leading core directors in the UK. As well as a conducting teacher, composer and writer... Paul has taught choral conducting at the Royal College of Music and at the
1: Birmingham Conservatoire. Paul is also one of the leading specialists in 20th century British music, has been the senior producer for BBC Three and is a regular guest conductor with the BBC Singers. And he's conducting two concerts at this year's Petersfield Musical Festival. We're delighted to have him with us now. Hello, Paul.
4: Hello. It's lovely to be here. Nice to meet you.
1: Thank you for talking to us. (laughs) Is this the first year that you are conducting at the Petersfield Musical Festival?
4: No, I have been the uh, festival conductor for 12 years, 10, 11, 12 years. I can't honestly remember how. So I've, I've been going to Petersfield for a long time. And it's become a very enjoyable and stable part of my life over all these past years. So I've built up a very stru- strong relationship with people here and made lots of good friends. It's a, it's a lovely place to come to.
0: And how's it been not being able to have a festival for two years?
4: Oh, goodness. Um, it, well, not just not a festival, but um, hardly anything happening at all in the world. And musically, of course, it's been disastrous. Um, the arts have been probably hit as badly as, uh, as any other industry, really. Um, no, it's been dreadful. And, you know, I think when you are not doing it, Um, And people are not singing um, or acting or whatever the other activities, you know, that that might be in their arts world. Um, You realise just how important all this really is. Um, You know, you realise how how central it is to people's sense of well-being. And especially people who are not musicians by profession, but they're they're, just ordinary people in the street who who happen to enjoy singing and really get something out of it. And and also, of course, there's all the social aspect of it. You know, when people come here, you know, a hundred odd people in each of these choirs, you know, I mean, that's a a terrific proportion of the community actually coming to to take part um, as performing members of this festival. And it's it's a really wonderful thing. And I may shout at them, and I may get you know, but uh, it's a, it's, a, it's always it's always shouts of encouragement. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think this year is going to be a real celebration, isn't it, of bringing music back to Petersfield?
4: It is, and I think the two concerts we've got um, are also really, in a way, reflect that um, because the, the the music is so hugely energetic, or much of it is, um, that it you know people it's it's like um, releasing the the pressure cooker, you know, uh, we've been building up and it's been bubbling up inside, and you take the top off, and oh, and the steam goes, you know, it's it, it's marvellous.
0: And uh, this festival is going to be probably the first big festival that, um, or event that the festival hall's seen. Uh, since
4: they've yes, stopped doing the vaccinations Yes, exactly, yes I mean, And there was a bit of a worry over that That we might not be able to Because they were <laughs> yeah. thinking of going on Doing the vaccinations for longer But fortunately um, that's not happening or At least from, from our point of view um, And anyway, in time really Because the, it is all subsiding gradually um, In the background you know, we, We're being a bit optimistic about this um, And so yes, it's, it's marvellous That we're able to be back in there
1: Now you're a choral conductor How did you start off in your career?
4: Well I was a chorister at New College in Oxford um, when I was, I I went uh, at the age of seven um, and not something if I um, had children of my own I would not send them off at the age of seven to boarding <laughs> school um, but uh, it, was, it was a wonderful experience at least um, the, as far as the choral music was concerned I won't say anything about the school um, but, but singing in the college chapel um, and with the wonderful um, David Lumsden who is the father of Andrew Lumsden who is the organist at uh, Winchester Cathedral now um, he, did, he really inculcated a, a wonderful sense of a, a love of choral music um, in me and that as it does with many young children I'm glad to say girls as well as boys now um, you know really uh, set me alight Um, music was in the family all the time my mother was a concert pianist and my father was an amateur cellist my grandfather was an organist of Oxford College as well so you know it was very much in the blood um, sort of in a way waiting to come out but um, uh, that's what really got me started And then I think, um, when I was growing up and and going through um, the Royal College of Music myself as a student, um, we didn't teach choral conducting. Um, Everybody taught orchestral conductors, but they didn't teach people to conduct choirs. And so, um, years later, I had this um, yen to actually start teaching people how to conduct choirs. Um, and, I, and I was the, one of the first um, two people in the country to actually um, formulate a, a master's degree um, at in the skill of choral conducting, and that's now I mean, it's, it's blossomed all over all over the country really, and so on. So it's been a it's been quite a mission really to, to get people to conduct properly, because the trouble with, with choirs, you know, people will basically accept anything you do. If you conduct with an or- conduct an orchestra, they will not. They will laugh you off the platform. <laughs> so you, you learn the hard way. <laughs> Yeah. And I think it's, it's just very important that choral conductors are, are, are taught in the same way, you know, that uh, we, we do, the, do the right things.
1: It is interesting, because a choral conductor is not something I really am that familiar with, so it's very interesting to hear your, your journey into it.
4: Yes, and of course it's, it's also different, because you're dealing with voices as opposed to instrument. you know, you have a violin, and, uh, you, or you have an oboe, and it sounds like an oboe, and it plays like an oboe, and so on, but with a voice... You know, you can make a voice do anything. You can... You know, there's all sorts of different ways you can approach singing. And therefore, in in that way, uh, a choir can be as colourful as as an orchestra, really. But you have to have someone in the front who sort of knows how to make the voice work in that way so that you can get all those colours.
0: And what are you going to be performing at the festival?
4: Well, in the, the first concert, we're doing a Dixit by Vivaldi, Dixit Dominus, um, which is... Uh, the, two, the two composers in this first concert, Haydn and Vivaldi, are two composers I would really have loved to have met. Um, Vivaldi, both for very different reasons. I think Vivaldi was, he was one of the most, obviously one of the most driven men imaginable. I mean, all his, almost all his music has this incredibly pulsating energy. I mean, it's very thrilling um, and people will absolutely love this piece. I mean, it's 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 full of it's all about a vengeful God, you know, who wants to control everything It's really Old Testament stuff, you know. You dig the boot in, you know. It's it's a real it, it, it's got a huge amount of that rather angry energy in it. Um, but then also, um, the, as you need in music, it's got it's got contrasting rather gentler movements, flowing movements, and so on as well. Um, but you can always tell uh, with the choir, you know, they, they, they you you sense immediately whether they're enjoying something. And straight away, you know they're there with this that terrific energy in the music. Um, so that, that's a real help. Um, and then uh, the other piece is, is um, Haydn's Marriott Seller Mass. Now, Haydn, I would love to have met because I think he had the most wonderful sense of humor. Um, I think he was a real grandpapa, uh, a lovely, warm, open man um, who had a, a, a real feel for, um, for people and for for just um, a, a lovely, with a lovely sense of hu- real human nature. Um, and rather like you know, a lot of people in those days um, who had very strong Christian faith, um, you can always tell, I mean Bach, for instance, he... he 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 wanted us to in writing when he was writing funeral music, he would write more quick music than ever, because he wanted everybody to scamper to heaven, you know, <laughs> leave this dreadful earth and scamper to heaven. Um, and with with Haydn, um, it, it, it's always the Benedictus movement, which is, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and you can feel him wanting to do that rather quicker march, you know. A lot, of, a lot of composers, when they're writing Benedictuses, they do rather gentle solo movements, you know, and it's very reflective. But Haydn's on a mission, you know, and it's, it, it, I, I love that. And so there's, there's a real... Um, as, with, as with the Vivaldi, there's a lot of very energetic music, we just this morning had a, an orchestral rehearsal with the strings and they've got more semiquavers to play, you know, know, they're just scampering away. Um, It's thrilling, you know, and it's going to be a wonderful concert. And, you know, there's nothing there which which is uh, going to be anything other than... um, It's really exciting for the listener to sit and actually be on the edge of their their chairs, really.
1: And you're also conducting a second concert here during the festival. What's that one going to be about? Yes,
4: the last night uh, we have, again, two wonderful choral works in this... um, contrasting this time one by our festival president Jonathan Wilcox who is the the son of the famous Sir David Wilcox who was organist at King's College Cambridge for many years um, and uh, who is a wonderful choral conductor, orchestral conductor, composer um, in his own right Um, and uh, we're doing a a piece of his which was written um, to be sung in the Albert Hall by a a huge choir which is called In Praise of Singing uh, which is a, a What more appropriate title could we have, given what we've just spoken about after two years of uh, of nothing going on, really? Um, It's a lovely piece. It has um, three contrasting movements, um, where the the second movement is is, is quite a long kind of meditation, really. It has a lovely floating oboe solo and a cello solo, and the choir hums in a kind of uh, dreamlike way. And then the last movement is extremely energetic. It's like a sort of sudden boot in the, in, in, in the solar plexus, and off you go. Um, so it's a, that's, that's a, 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 I think people are going to really enjoy that, because it's, it's got something which is just different from um, what we did in the first concert we've just been talking about. Um, and it sets off this, uh, this, this net, the last uh, concert of the festival, I think, with something that's sort of gently contemporary, So it's nice to do something which is sort of up-to-date and the composer will be sitting in the audience. And that's always a little bit of a... um, concentrates the mind, you know, for the the people sitting on the stage. And then in the second half, um, Mendelssohn's um, Hymn of Praise, which is a... um, a really thrilling piece of music. Sometimes uh, there are bits of Mendelssohn that can sound a bit sentimental, um, a bit Victorian. But this piece um, is just pure outpouring of praise. It is so... Um, I I shall be in 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 an absolute drenched at the end because I shall be so (laughs) active in in conducting this and trying to get the most energy out of people. Um, But you you almost can't help it. It's it's rather like the Vivaldi or or parts of the Haydn, you know, again, which are are full of energy. Um, But Mendelssohn is also, um, he's very good at writing lines which which intertwine with other lines. So that might not mean terribly much to you, but actually, you know, if you get a um, bass line, for instance, starting off, then you get the tenor line Coming in after it, which is which is um, doing the same sort of tune, but sort of harmonising with it. Then you get the autos, then you get the sopranos, and they're all doing these wonderful lines, and everything becomes intertwined, and it grows, and it builds in the texture, uh, and the orchestra is, you know, having fun as well. Um, you know, it's it's quite difficult to just to sort of explain it like that, but it is something which. It's electric, and uh, you know, people really should come and listen to this music in in Petersfield because it's. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a small town. and This is a wonderful festival to have in the middle of it. And it, it is a, uh, something which I think almost anybody will enjoy, this music.
1: Just hearing you talking about it has got me excited and looking forward to it, well, actually. so good. I
4: can't wait Thank to you. listen to some of the rehearsal, I think. was
1: yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, great to talk to you. Thank you very much, Paul. It's a real pleasure. To
4: nice to be with you. Thank you.
0: Now, I have been known to play a few musical instruments in my time.
1: But nothing quite like this next blooper.
0: Peapod bloopers. I went on to the tuba and I played the tuba from Crikey for seven, eight years. Still got it. Can still get a tune out of it if if requested.
1: Do you? You still get it out and play oh. it?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and the tuba, yes. <laughs> Along with my magic flute. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> want to keep that for the bloopers. What's the matter?
0: What's the matter? <laughs> <laughs> Have we all got a magic flute?
1: <laughs> it was always going to be so. <laughs> this is the uh, <laughs> X rated version. This is the of after the hours version.
0: <laughs> During the heat wave in mid July, Susie and Rain head out for a wild walk in the twilight
2: it's a heat wave and it's early evening and still the sun is beating down so Rain and I have been hugging the shade there is at the moment a really lovely breeze but we're standing underneath an oak tree and a beech tree of immense proportions um, in Chapel Common Rain has just been in the pond for a swim which is lovely because it's cooling so uh, that was fine I let her do it but I'm wanting to share with you this green twilight with extreme gratitude because where would we be without trees? I'm always thanking them, as you know, but it's almost frightening the prospect of not having them because this strange sun that we now have, that it's, it's kind of unforgiving. It's not just a, a warm day, there's something almost spiteful about it that, doesn't seem very British and I can see it I can see it like a heat haze there of of the sky isn't blue like it was last week it's a kind of a sullen almost a, a yellowy drabby colour with this parching sun but luckily here we are with bright lime green leaves still just gently swaying in a very slight breeze Rain isn't even foraging, are you? You're just staying with me and staying cool against the smoothness of the beech bark that has its own coolness because the, the tree is so big that I don't think it would see much sun at all. And the boughs just dip down to actually touch the earth. So it is a cathedral of a tree. It still has that, obviously, you know, it's such a cliche but in this case I, I mean that sense that the sun never intrudes, it's a, a cool and contemplative space um, a space in which I thank the tree and I thank in this case the tiny beech nut that made it, which surround us and make crackling noises which I'll I'll probably make for you as we set off again. But just a calm, green silence for you. If you're feeling hot, have a cool week. OK, come on then.
1: petersfield walking festival is approaching on
2: foot this is susie wild the petersfield walking festival includes more than 40 guided walks around our area and on the 27th of August you can join me in my labrador rain for an easy walk from sheet to Durley Marsh and then beside the river into Petersfield find information about all the walks Including Shine Radio's Wild Walk in aid of the Rosemary Foundation Hospice at Home at Petersfield Walking Festival.co.uk.
1: Support Petersfield's Shine Radio and the Rosemary
2: Foundation in the Petersfield Walking Festival. Dogs are welcome, and I hope to see you on Saturday, the 27th of August.
1: Coming up, we revisit the Petersfield Theatre Group and the Petersfield Shakespeare Festival.
0: But first, Claire
1: has a spot
0: of bother. Peapod Bloopers.
1: We end this week's Peapod with a relaxed track from local artists oh. <laughs> We oh, can't half, say half it, dip. local artist. <laughs> 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 We've done that for years. <laughs> the P stands for
3: Petersfield. Petersfield is special to me. The Peapod.
1: We met with the Petersfield Theatre Group towards the end of last year as they were preparing for their production of The Adams Family. Unfortunately, the show had to be put on hold, but that's not stopped this enthusiastic local musical theatre group.
0: Made in Dagenham is an uplifting musical comedy inspired by the true story of a group of working-class women who walked off the job, protesting their wages at the Ford Motor Company. We're joined now by PTG's director... J.P. McCrone. J.P., how are you? Oh, I'm very well,
5: thank you. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, thank you for coming along. (laughs) Now,
5: how's it going? It's going really, really well, actually. This is a, it, it's a really exciting show to perform and to put on. And as you've already alluded, this is based on a true story. It's got a really important, empowering message behind it. But it tells that message in a way that isn't at all dry or worthy. It's entertaining. Um, it makes you think whilst making you laugh. There's a fantastic score. I think it's one of the best British musicals of recent years, quite simply. It really is a joy to, to be working on. And
1: is this the first production that you've directed?
5: Uh, no. No, I mean, I've, I've, I've been directing a, a long time now. I direct for my own theatre company, Cads Theatre, who, who are a, an award-winning company based mostly in Portsmouth, but we've done a, we have did Starlight Express here in Petersfield at the Festival Hall a few years ago. We've got Little Mermaid coming up as well very soon. Um, but, yeah, all, all across Portsmouth and across the South, and I've also uh, directed and acted professionally, done a bit of touring work, as well as a bit of theatre and education, some writing, all sorts, all these freelance things that I was doing up until the pandemic hit. Um, I work in education as well, so I work with, with young people on, on drama and, and music and all those kinds of things. And uh, this particular show, Made in Dagenham, it's the second time I've directed this. I directed it for uh, Southdown Musical Society at the King's Theatre back in 2016 when the rights first came out. Um, so it, it's really interesting, actually, to be revisiting it with a, with a different team with different people, um, bringing the experience of doing it the first time, but actually being able to see it afresh again as a result of a new creative team and cast. So when, when you become a director of a, of a musical, mm. what is important to you about that musical? I think it's got to be directing anything, whether it's a play or a musical, it's got to be something that that really speaks to you because it's something that does occupy so much of your time, not just in the rehearsal room but outside of it. It's got to be something that you don't just like a little bit but that you feel passionate about. And also that you think that there's a great quote um, uh, that I read years ago which, which has always stayed with me and it was Sam Mendes talking about he felt that he only wanted to direct something if he thought he knew a secret about it that nobody else knew. And whether, that's, whether that is something that someone else knows is is almost besides the point. It's that you think, actually, this speaks to me because, and I think I'm, I'm the person to do this because. Um, and, yeah, it, it's, you know, with a musical, obviously, there's lots of different elements, and it's bringing together the, the musicality of it with with the with the drama, which is always the most important um, but, it, yeah, like, like any piece, is the story worth telling? Um, is it a great piece of writing? Um, is it something that's going to reward exploration in the rehearsal room? And, and if all those boxes are ticked and it's something you think, actually, I couldn't bear to see someone else doing this, then you know you're the one to do it, I think.
1: Now, we've come to a rehearsal for the production, and there's a lot of energy here. Mm. It must be really exciting to be able to put on a production that's actually going to happen now?
5: Oh, it really is. And, and with, with the two years that we've had, uh, it, obviously it's been, I think now that things are back open, and I've directed a, a few shows since the middle of, of last year, where, you know when things were just gradually reawakening. But actually, yeah, there, there is that extra energy. I think always, you know, you come into a rehearsal room like this, there's a lot of passion. But now we know what it's like to be without it as well. So I think that, you know, the capacity for ever taking it for granted has probably gone away for good, I think, and people are are so thrilled to be back in a room together and as I said before this is a this is a really uplifting piece so actually, to walk into a room and have you know thirty odd people singing these amazing anthemic songs, it really does the soul good and I think it will do the same for the audience this is it, it, it's great to be back watching the theater it's great to be back creating it
0: and why why should the public the people of Petersfield and the surrounding areas come and see Made in Dagenham?
5: Well, it is a, it's a great story told in a really fun and accessible way Uh, I I think as well that it's you know this show was on I I saw it when it opened at at the Adelphi in I think about 2014 with Gemma Arterton directed by Rupert Gould it was superb it didn't run as long as it should have done it's one of of many shows that feels like it should have been a bigger hit so actually what's exciting about this is that although it has been picked up on the amateur circuit it's not a show perhaps that loads of people have seen Um, so you'll be able to see it afresh you'll be able to see something new um, it, it, it's based on a true story so you're seeing a really inspiring true story brought to life as well and it will it will send you out with uh, with something really important to think about but also I think with a with a spring in your step it's a it's a perfect piece to come back to the theater with
1: and how long have you been rehearsing this piece because the actual the actual dates of the show are mid-May, aren't they?
5: Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. so yeah, we're, we're on mid-May. Um, we've been rehearsing, we started music rehearsals towards the beginning of January, maybe mid-January, something like that, and then auditions early February. So yeah, for um, about three months all told, just a, just a little bit over that. So it's been um, a, enough time to do everything that needs to be done, but also you always want it to be intensive enough that there's always that drive and there's that momentum there.
0: And because it's been... A couple of years without productions. Mm. Did you have quite a number come for auditions?
5: Yeah, it, it's great. I mean, um, PTG is a fantastic group. I've I've only directed for PTG once before. That was with All Shook Up in 2017. But they're a really they're a really friendly, warm, welcoming uh, group of people. There's some fantastic talent here. Um, but what's been lovely actually is coming back in the room and seeing a lot of the people that I worked with then and also a lot of new faces and i know that some of that's been in the intervening years but they tell me as well that they've had a real influx over the last year since the doors opened up again in fact when they were when it was going to be adam's family first of all um they got a lot of new members a lot more for this so it's yeah there's a there's a big number of people who just want to be want to be out and want to be doing things and want to be engaged and Creatively stimulated again, and we've got some some just wonderful people in the room making some some really good theatre.
1: Brilliant! I'm looking forward to seeing it, Joff.
5: Yes, I'm going to come along watch because musicals
0: aren't my thing. Yeah, I went out with uh, for a meal with a couple of the cast, Joe Joe and Con, and they were trying to convince me that to come along, and I will do it to support BTG and everything.
5: For the non-musical lover what is so great about musicals well i ah oh, it i mean for me it it's it, it's another form of storytelling isn't it and there are there are lots of there are lots of great plays and there are maybe some that don't appeal as much same with same with musicals mm. but um i think that a really good musical, a really great musical like this is, has a reason for being a musical and I think the thing about the thing about this you know there 's that great old quote about uh, songs in musicals beginning when actually the emotion is too big to be carried by just words. And this is a brilliant example of that because the, the, the plight of these women, you know, the mission that they're on, almost demands music. And the other thing is, I think for this particular musical, for, for maybe someone who thinks, oh, I don't know if I'm a musical fan or not, it's writ- the script's written by um, the brilliant Richard Bean, who wrote, among other things, One Man, Two Governors. So he's a, he's a great kind of master of very clever but also very popular very accessible theatre um you've got lyrics by um Richard Thomas who wrote Jerry Springer the opera so with all the kind of not not as much profanity I will say as Jerry Springer the (laughs) opera so there's a little bit in Maiden Dagenham but only only to a warning extent you can bring a lot of the family to come and see (laughs) this particular one but it's got that same sort of irreverence and wit Um, and then um, the composer uh David Arnold you know was responsible for a lot of the the modern Bond films and things like that so actually it's written by people who came together who hadn't written that many musicals before so it's got that sort of that freshness to it people coming from these different distinguished fields and then creating something which does feel quite fresh and quite irreverent to use that word again um, you know you've, you've got really poignant scenes and then you've got a really comic interpretation of Harold Wilson the Prime Minister um, who perhaps is, um, is a bit more bungling and inept than we'd expect him to be, and I think that's, that's very relevant at the moment. <laughs> um, there's all sorts of modern resonances in this, in this piece, which is set in the 60s.
0: Well, you've sold it to me, JP. Thank you very much. Well, thanks very much, JP. Pleasure. Lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Great to talk to you.
5: Peapod bloopers.
3: A lot of members of the band have played in various musical scores, not just um, in the West End and and internationally, but also in the film versions. Some of them are in the Evita. Chris himself is part of the Evita band for the Madonna film, and. Played his trombone next to Madonna, um, so there's all sorts of wonderful experiences in there. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs>
3: no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to reword what I just said. Is that for the uh, is that for It'll the people? No on extended people cut, yeah.
1: A nice bloopers bo- uh, folder. Um, that's a great one. Yeah. Oh,
3: I can't believe I just said that without any hint of realizing what I said right. Uh, jo- jo, you didn't mention your
1: tuba. I thought you might. Perfect, <laughs> um, you played the tuba. I did. <laughs> The
3: P stands for Petersfield. I like going to the open-air swimming pool and shopping. (laughs) The P-Pod.
1: The Petersfield Shakespeare Festival is getting ready for another summer performance here at Wilds Farm in Lys.
0: And joining us now are Lucy Hollis and Claire Glancy to tell us more about the company and this year's production. Good afternoon to you both. How are you?
6: Very well, thank you. Now this is
1: the first day of rehearsals for this year's production. Can you tell us a bit more about what we've got in store for us this year, please?
3: Well, this year is our second year here at Wilds Farm and um, uh, we're doing an Italian, sunny, funny production of Much Ado About Nothing and um, we invite our audience to arrive early to come and soak up some of the festival vibe which will include um, live music down at the bottom here whilst eating a picnic or maybe taking advantage of some of the street food that we're going to have on offer um, and generally hopefully enjoy a really sunny fun um, ambience before the show starts about an hour or so later um, and at which point we process them up a big hill um, and um, then they watch the show we've also putting on um, a couple of extra events there's after the Wednesday performance we're going to do a question and answer session back in the bottoms up bar and then on Sunday the 24th we've also got a free uh, talk by um, a Shakespeare expert Charlotte Moore who's a well-known writer and journalist and she's going to um, give a talk just to Kind of um, fill in some of the the stuff about Much Ado and the questions it raises. Uh, there are an awful lot of overhearings and overseeings in Much Ado, and she's sort of pulling that together just to give her take on it.
0: And that's a free event, absolutely free. And how long has the piece uh, of Shakespeare Company been going?
3: Well. Actually, Joff, this is our 10th year, so something to celebrate indeed. Um, it started back in 2012, um, and it was at Beadale School um, then, and they it, it started off by having a, a repertory company of two plays um, uh, in this two-week period in July, always. Um, and since then, we've added in a few new plays, all centred around Shakespeare or inspired by Shakespeare, In 20- Mm 20 we did uh, uh an online festival because of the pandemic and that drew in some some new blood some new writing all based around Romeo and Juliet um so it's been a very varied 10 years and now we've sort of hit on a slightly different formula the last two years here at Wilds which has really brought back the kind of the the magical open air setting very minimal sets and really the performance is part of the natural setting as opposed to just watching a play in the outdoors.
1: The play starts towards the end of July. What dates does it run and, and how many evening and matinee performances have you got?
6: We open on the 19th of July, it's a Tuesday and the performances run through till Sunday the 24th um, we have to, this year we've got two matinees one on the Thursday the 21st and one on Saturday the 23rd and what we've done this year is tried to tailor the matinees for particular audiences that might benefit from them so on the, the Thursday the 21st we've got what's called a relaxed matinee so we've got a slightly shortened version of the play with a bit more of an introduction to the cast and the characters and the plot um, for, so that it's very good for younger people who might want a gentler introduction to Shakespeare um, school pupils um, but also people who might need a slightly more relaxed environment for theatre and so people are able to, to move around freely and so there's none of the constraints of, of more formal theatre and then on the um, Saturday matinee we've got a British Sign Language interpreter coming in so that it, it hopefully it can be appreciated by the Deaf community and um, we're hoping that they will come
0: Now you're away from the railway line, can you hear the trains go past when you're up the hill?
3: Well, yes, but we don't <laughs> see it as a negative. <laughs> um, actually, last year it was incorporated to very well by the actors and it caused much hilarity. And
0: Shakespeare, how does Petersil take Shakespeare? Do you get lots of people coming along to
6: watch? We do, and it's wonderful. And I think the way that we present it, it's accessible, but it's very clear. And so the, 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 the plot and the language don't become a problem for, for anyone and, and Petersfield seems to embrace it, thankfully.
1: Uh, and so where can people buy tickets? I understand they're selling like hotcakes but if there are some tickets left, where can people purchase them from?
6: The, the best way is to go online to our website www.petersfieldshakespearefestival.co.uk um, That's easily done online or you can go to One Tree Books in Petersfield where um, the staff there will happily sort tickets for you.
1: Brilliant. Lucy Clare, thank you very much for chatting to us this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And so we come to the end of this week's Peapod. Thank you for joining us. Thanks also to our guests, Paul Spicer, J.P. McCroan, Lucy Hollis, Claire Glancy and Sean Ridley for that excellent blooper, as well as Susie Wilde and the volunteers at Shine Radio who support the show and help to put it together.
0: This week's music comes from country singer Dixie Darling and her song, Care About Yourself.
1: So from Joff and I this week... I go and do the thing you shouldn't do
7: You call me but I don't know If I should pick up or decline So a letter ring out through the night But it feels like you're giving up. And you've got a part of me, and you don't know how to keep it. So I'll take it back and keep it for